Welcome to Book Talk for Book Talk, a literary podcast where we've been deep diving into your favorite novels. This is Jack. And I'm Amy. And our listeners love to share their thoughts and theories via email and voicemail, so we're sharing them via our weekly mini episodes. The views expressed by the hosts and listeners are entirely their own and in no way represent the thoughts or intentions of the original author. This podcast is a discussion shared to spark thought and conversation on the characters and themes of this novel. Spoilers may be discussed with or without warning. Explicit language, as well as themes of sex, violence, abuse, death, and depression will recur throughout this podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to our mini episode series. During each mini, we'll be reading listener feedback and theories, as well as discussing all things Sarah J. Mass, including her Akatar, Crescent City, and Throne of Glass series. Here is another Hot Takes episode, because you guys sent us all your hot takes and there are so many good ones. This one is from Lisa K. I think Elaine is going to become a villain. We've heard this a lot. We used to think this. We used to think this. We talk about it in a different mini episode. I think Elaine is not going to do anything anybody wants and mm. everybody's going to view her as a villain. But she's not really a villain. She's just like, I need to figure my shit out. Yeah, I think that Elaine has too much to like learn to stand up for herself. And she's already in the process of learning. And I think people forget that. Mm-hmm. She stood up to Nesta. And there's a lot of secret personality, not even secret, pretty overt personality from Elaine. Like Elaine became friends with the shadow, the shadow ladies. Oh, Nuala and Caridwin? Yeah, like in Silver Flames, it's implied that she's become friends with them. Like they went, they're baking, they're having fun. Mm -hmm. Those are her friends. Like Elaine's kind of moved on. Right. She has a close relationship with Farah now. There's a lot of development that Elaine is already doing. And I, I used to think that Elaine was going to be evil because we needed more character development from her. I think that we're getting so much from that and we're going to get more. But what I have said before is that Farrah has had her all-time low. Nesta's had her all-time low. Elaine has not. Agreed. So I think we're going to get an all-time low Elaine. Because of fucking Asriel giving away the necklace. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Our next hot take is from Ray. Reese dying is just a repeat of Farrah dying and nothing was ever at stake. I 100% agree. This kind of reflects something we already talked about in our last Hot Takes episode. But the point that nothing was ever at stake is how I feel about all of Wings of Ruin. Yeah. Knowing what we know at the end of it. That's the thing. Like, the first time you read it, I'm sure we're like, oh, everything can happen. I didn't feel that way. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I I sincerely did not feel that way. Yeah. And, and that's kind of why I had to take a break between Wings and Ruin and Silver Flames, because I felt like what SJM had showed me in the pattern of her writing is that things always work out in the, at the end. Mm-hmm. And I never really truly felt loss. Yeah. And so I didn't believe that, honestly, love SJM, but I didn't believe I, she was capable of giving me loss in Wings and Ruin. I mean, and that is true because she didn't give us loss. Now, that being said, don't you dare kill anyone off now. But I think that's why I do respect Crescent City so much is because she spent so much time developing Danica. And then killed her off. And then killed her off. Like, we spent a fair amount of time on Danica and the pack of wolves. And I'm whenever I reread it, I'm always surprised, like, oh, we're still with them. Yeah. We're still going. And then to have her kill her off, like, to me, and I don't want to spoil anything for my own personal writing, I think I love killing off a good character in the first book. Yeah, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. Like, I thoroughly believe, like, go full Game of Thrones, Ned Stark. Kill off someone big. Yeah. 
you make your readers stay on their toes. <laughs> I think you have to. Otherwise, nothing's at stake and people read for a good time, not be- <laughs> 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 which is fine. You're allowed to read for a good time. Yes. It's, I just, yeah, I want to hurt. And I know I- this next author that I'm about to list is controversial. Yes, I get it. She is. I don't agree with her views on stuff, but J.K. Rowling, the end of Harry Potter, I respect what she did in the sense that she couldn't kill off her main people. Like she had a list of people that's like, in my heart, I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. I get it. So then she decides to kill everyone else. Seriously. I mean, killing Sirius Black in the fifth book. Yeah, it was already like... That was devastating. Killing Hedwig within like the first couple chapters of Deathly Hollows killed me we're done killing which i can't remember if it's fred or george dobby snape uh uh lupin uh, and tonks Tonks. yeah like they just had a baby yeah that's that's awful like i you know i respect that so much where it's like all right you kind of like i think she said she negotiated with herself like all right i can't kill the three like i just can't do it Mm mm-hmm so everyone else is up for grabs. Yeah, it's and you have I, Dumbledore. Oh, Dumbledore. I saw. Oh my god. So yeah, talk about a book series that knows how to kill a character. Yeah, yeah, and that's and SJM hasn't done that for us. And that's the thing where everything was at stake, but you can still have the main you can't live without. Right, and that's okay. Yeah, you just got to be willing to kill everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Bitch, slap me with the deaths. Yeah. Honestly, I think one of the sisters should have died. Probably Elaine should have died. Someone. Just someone big. Amron should have stayed dead. Amron should have stayed dead if it wasn't or for at the, least gone. Yeah, if it wasn't for the fact that we need the SJM needs her for all the other world building. <laughs> Lucian should have died. Yeah. Unless we he's needed there later on. Yeah. I hope she gets bold. And I hope Sarah J. Mass gets a little bolder as the series continues. Same. I just can't have it be Cassian because I don't want Nesta to suffer without him. That's fair. That's like, that's my one thing. It's like, I would, I would rather Asriel die. Yeah. Wow. I said it and I mean it. I think it's fair. I, I, I don't even know if I would be devastated if Asriel died. Asriel's a great one to kill off because everyone loves him. It would rock the inner circle. Right. But we're cool. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we would survive. We'd survive. You know, like, like maybe that's what's going to happen. This hot take is from Ray. Another one from Ray. Another one. Cool. I love it. All the hot takes, please. Only a court of mist and fury is good. The others are just meh, riding its coat's tails. <sighs> I used to agree with this. I think Thorns and Roses is the best. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's just such a solid piece of work. It is so tight and it accomplishes so much. I think I appreciate it so much because of the literary analysis. Uh-huh. I, well, no, let me s- I know I appreciate it so much because of the literary analysis, and that's why I think it's the best, because it's the most intense to unpack. All that being said, going into this, Mist and Fury was my favorite. Agreed. And I'll still say Mist and Fury is probably one—like, I love them both differently and separately, you know what I mean? Mm. Mist and Fury had a lot going on, but you could see it more. Thorns and Roses had a lot going on, but you couldn't really see it. Yeah, it was very subtle. Yeah. So I, I see you. I hear you, Ray. I mean, just don't highlight a book and read it four times over in a row <laughs> trying to analyze it because then it does change the way you view. But I get it. I hear you. Yeah. And that's a very popular opinion. A lot of people love Wings and Ruin. More people than I realized yes. love Wings and Ruin. But there's a lot of people who prefer Mist and Fury overall. 
Well, yeah, I mean, like, to me, I'm like, well, that's the norm. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just surprised that there was, that anyone liked Wings and Ruin, that that's their favorite. I was like, really? Okay. Yeah, Yeah, same. And I'm appreciating that. No, I am too. This next hot take comes from Lex. I want Elaine to accept the bond with Lucian. Me too. (laughs) You could not say that fast enough. Uh, Me too. I'm going to get on here. (laughs) If you have not listened to season three, if you're not currently listening, I want it to happen so badly. Because I think they're so well-matched. I don't know that we know enough about Elaine to say that they're well-matched. That's fair. Damn it, you're fair. They're just... I want them to work out and I want her to accept it because I think that their romance... Right now, Nesta and Cassian's is the most slow burn. Mm -hmm. I think Elaine and Lucian, if she accepts the bond, will be the most slow burn. And you like the torture? I love the torture. I think if Azrael and Lucian are Elaine's only options, Lucian is the healthier choice. Yep. I don't think we know enough about Azrael or Elaine, and I think Lucian still has a lot of healing to do. I mean, they, all three of them have a lot of I healing was like, No matter do. what healing Lucian has to do, it'll never be equal to Azrael's oh, healing. He, he is like <laughs> subterranean. Like, yeah. he's so far. He's so far down, so far gone. I believe in him. He can do it. He can do it. It might take, you know, 600 years or more. I know. There's a lot of people who think that Bryce is his mate. Although it's so obvious that Hunt is her mate. Well, one of the theories that I didn't read earlier talks about why Bryce is his mate. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Well. Another. All in time. Another mini episode. Yeah. Stay tuned. This next up is from Mila. Hot take. Tamlin is the most tragic character, and while he doesn't deserve forgiveness, he should have a redemption arc in the future. So we've talked about this many times before. I want to focus on the fact that Tamlin doesn't deserve forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I agree. And Jack, you and I have talked about this on lives especially, that redemption for Tamlin doesn't have to be a happy ending. Yeah. It doesn't mean he has to find love. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that he's in good graces with Feyre. It doesn't mean that he ends up happy. No. It just means that he sets things right. Ooh, I got something for you. Okay. We were just talking about looking for a character to kill off. Tamlin? Right after he's redeemed. Oh, yeah. That is the tragedy that needs to happen. Yep. He is a tragic character. He's an extremely tragic character. And I don't know if he could find love. No. And there's a lot that he'd have to accept about himself. And even then, does someone like that deserve forgiveness, right? To like find love. But imagine he does like some kind of wonderful act, right? And it's like he's truly been forgiven. He's truly redeemed. And he's just like, I I got this. And he's like forgiven. it. Like everyone's looking at him, accepts him and a wonderful things. He starts walking away. And then the person that they thought they killed gets up one last time, stabs him in the back. And then the one romance character that we thought that he was finally going to get with comes in and is like, we're going to be together forever. And then she sees him goes down and then is super sad. And then, you know, it's like devastation all around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up with Azriel. I don't even know who she is. <laughs> so I, I had a kind of a similar thought. What if he sacrificed himself for the greater good? Yeah. And that's part of his redemption arc. Does it cheapen the redemption by doing that, by be- becoming a martyr? I don't want him to die on purpose. Okay. You don't want you don't want his death to be a choice. I want he's a tragic character. I need his death to be tragic. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, a tragic death is the most pointless death. The kind of death that is the most afterthought. I'm really giving a lot away of what I like to write. <laughs> but of just like, it's like a car accident on the way home after a wedding. 
Yeah, <laughs> um, completely. It's the most like the story's done. Everything's yeah. moved on. This death does nothing. Except stab you in the heart. Exactly. That's what I want for him. Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> but he's already redeemed himself at that point. Though. Yeah, exactly. Right. Redemption happens. He thinks he's going to get the happy ending. He dies pointlessly. Pointlessly. Yeah. That's tragedy. That would be tragedy. That would be bold, especially if she spent a whole book to build him up, mm-hmm. have us learn to forgive him, understand him. Just to... Ugh. Oh. I want it so bad. Right? Can we write to her? <laughs> hey, Sarah, look, just some notes. I believe in you. You can do this, babe. You you got this. Cassie B. sent her hot take in, and it says, SJM set up Nested to be a death god, and her actual arc was a letdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. I was really disappointed that she gave up her gifts at the end of the book. I was really disappointed that she gave up her gifts for such a pointless thing. I agree. Yeah. I think if let she Let was... Feyre die. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying let Farah the baby and Reese die yeah. so in what? that one sentence. <laughs> so what? I said what I said. <laughs> Tragedy. <laughs> My question was like with it is like if she's so powerful, how come Nesta couldn't have saved Farah From death? From death. Yeah. Again, I think, I mean, one of the all-around themes that everyone struggles with a little bit is the fact that Cassian's wings can be shredded. His insides could be absolutely, like, displayed outside. But they can't figure out a C-section? Yeah. She's a death god. She has magical harpy powers. Little harp. <laughs> Got a crown. Boop. And a mask. All those sound effects were great. Thank you. You know, like you have all these things working for you and you can't figure out how to get that baby out of her. You have to give it all up. It felt too pointless of a thing to sacrifice her powers for. I agree. You know, to what extent did those powers get sacrificed because SJM didn't know what to do with them? Mm. They would have become useless. Whatever she has planned next, those powers weren't useful. So the best thing you can do is to get rid of them instead of not using them. Or whatever she had planned next would have been too useful to have them. Oh, yeah. And would have made it too easy. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And, I mean, she does imply that not all the powers are gone. Yeah, that's true. And we just don't really know what's kept. And what we also have implied is that the mother is now involved quite a bit with Nesta. Mm -hmm. So how much of her powers have been replaced with mother powers? Oh, yeah. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot we don't know. There's a lot, but I really wish we had more Death God. I do too. That was so badass. Yeah. Her rising up from the lake. Oh, that was such a hot scene. Oh, hot scene? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool. Hot wasn't the word I was going to use, but yeah. I thought it was hot. I'll I'll go with it. I approve. (laughs) I can change my opinion. Watch me to match yours. (laughs) The next hot take is from... Colazar should have stayed a trilogy. Oops. I agree. Honestly, actually, my hot take is that each sister should have gotten a trilogy. We don't know if that's going to if that's not true. That's true. Yeah, you're right. I can see Colazar being like, we didn't need Silver Flames. We didn't need. Honestly, I think Frost and Starlight was part of Wings and Ruin, but Wings and Ruin was just too big. Yeah, I agree. They just used it as a money making tool. Yeah, I don't think they could. I, I genuinely believe they're like, Sarah, we can't have a half a book epilogue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got to cut it down. Yeah. I'm of the like, give me more, never stop camp. But I agree that if you're going to make it a trilogy, everyone needs a trilogy. Mm hmm. What makes it hard is that we're pausing the Akatar timeline, the path, the story and everything for the Crescent City book. Yeah. 
And I'm wondering how much it could have been a Nesta trilogy mm-hmm. with her whole death god powers, right? Right. And the trove and everything. All of that. But it had to be condensed because she had Crescent City going on. And now with the overlap. So who knows what kind of book the sixth book will be? Is it six? Fifth. Fifth. If we're not counting Frost and Starlight. Yeah. But like, who knows what that book will be? I don't think it's going to be Nesta and Cassian. That's pretty, yeah, pretty I don't done. Think so. But I hope whatever we get next is another trilogy. Yeah, I hope so, too. Yeah, I don't want a one-off. If we don't get another Nesta novel, then I, I bet the rest of the Akatar books are one-offs. Elaine gets a book, Moore gets a book, Lucian gets a book. You know, like, I, I, Damn it! <laughs> I, I, bet, right. I bet it will be. Because why, if you don't give Nesta a trilogy but starts a trilogy with someone else, it, it just doesn't make sense. Oh, no. Oh, I see you. I have something else. So you haven't read Throne of Glass yet? You'd love it. Multi-point character mm-hmm. point, especially as the series goes on. All of the point of views. I really struggled. So Sarah could do that with... A trilogy. Like, yeah. I still think we can get a trilogy, but she just needs to make it in the style of Throne of Glass, where we do have a lot of different storylines, plot lines, different Points things happening. But yeah, I think it's like, it can still be predominantly... Elaine, just like Throne of Glass is predominantly the main character or the name won't mean anything to you. <laughs> but, you know, it'll it's still you can still do that, but still have all these like smaller one offs to the side. It needs to be that there is no other acceptable answer except whatever you decide to give us. <laughs> SJM. Our next hot take is from Rachel. Alice wasn't the absolute worst and I hope she returns. That is a hot take. That is a hot <laughs> take. That to me, out of all the hot takes, that's the hottest of takes. That is super hot. I think I don't care whether or not she returns. I just want her to be useful. Yeah. In Thorns and Roses, Alice had a purpose. Mm-hmm. She was there for a reason. And she hasn't had a reason to exist since. One of, If you go back to our postseason episodes after season one, we interviewed one of our listeners, Sid, and she gave one of the best theories that I still to this day have heard that Alice and her boys should have been who Farrah killed. Absolutely. They should have been the fairies that Farrah had to kill in the third trial. And I was just thinking about this because, of course, Alice would have gotten caught because she took Farrah to the entrance to Under the yeah. Mountain. So she would have been seen. Easy. Easy catch. Like, yeah, you know, these were originally marketed as young adult books. Mm -hmm. So with the original marketing and editing, yeah, I can see SJM having done that and then them being like, nope. So what we're saying is now thinking back on our previous conversation about death. Bring her back and kill her. (laughs) No, just SJM could have given us good death. Oh, yeah. But couldn't. Because of for whatever reason. Oh, my God. As if, like, we've been shit talking her and she actually wasn't allowed to, but we had it in her the entire time. Yep. And now here we are. We've awakened her wrath. (laughs) I will name a character Amy and I will slit her throat. I know. She's like, wait, who is your favorite again? Got it. (laughs) Nesta? Gone. (laughs) Kill her. That would make me sad. That would Uh, make me sad. Yeah. I I mean, so she wouldn't mind if Alice came back. I, I get it. But to Amy's point, Alice needs to be useful and have a purpose. Yeah. We don't hear from her ever again. No. Bring her back, make her big, kill her. <laughs> kill them all. <laughs> this hot take comes from Kmore. Cassian is too good for Nesta. Yeah. You're probably right. You, I'm not probably. She is. She is right. However, lots of good males have savior complexes <laughs> and pick broken females. 
I think Cassian knew Nesta was his mate. I mean, the fire, the chemistry. Yeah, there's so much chemistry. There's so much chemistry. There was like, they were always going to be together. She gets under his skin. He gets under her skin. It's amazing. The part that makes him too good for her is his emotional intelligence. Right. Nesta's not there yet. It doesn't mean she can't be there. I agree. Just because they're on different levels in terms of emotional intelligence and maybe also emotional intimacy. Mm Mm-hmm does not mean that they can't be equals in the future. Yeah. Right now, he is too good for her. Like, I get, like, he spent so much time on her, and that's, like, why it's probably a romance book, because that's, like, a really, I don't want to say it's an unrealistic thing to say that's going to happen, because, like, you know, I don't want to say, you know, you don't want to have have a partner come in and help take care of you and stuff, but, like, you shouldn't expect that. Like, that someone amazing and healthy and wonderful is going to come in and help fix you. Right. You shouldn't expect that if you're in need of fixing. Yeah. And the person, the good person, shouldn't have to do that. Exactly. And that's the, like, fictional part of things. That doesn't mean that, like, partners don't help each other grow and all this other stuff. But this idea that Nesta's this character who just pushes away people, pushes away people, and he's patient and he's there with her and he loves her and all this, like, wonderful, wonderful stuff... I see this trope here and I see it in so many other parts of like other parts of literature. And it's just like that trope. I love it. I get it. One of the more problematic ones for me. I agree because it to me, it paints the same picture as fairy tales. Yeah. That all your problems can be solved. With a man. With a good man coming in and being patient with you and helping fix you. Yeah. That's not not their job. It's your job to fix you. Yeah. I mean, and I wouldn't want that for a woman to go fix a man. No, Fuck no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, Amy and I talk all the time about therapy. So we're of the deepest mindset of like work on yourself. Try as much as you can to get your baggage in order. You don't have to be fixed. You just got to have your luggage checked. Have it have <laughs> tidy your, and in order. Yeah. Have it make sure it has the 50 pound weight limit. <laughs> Write your name and address on there. You can have your baggage. That's cool. But it's definitely that trope for me is always like a... Right, because it it translates into unhealthy real-life relationships. Yeah, no one should be fixing their partner at all to that level. Right, and if that's your experience and it works for you... Then I'm happy you're the exception. That's amazing. Right, Like, genuinely, if it worked for someone, props to them. Right, because as a rule of thumb, it doesn't work. Yeah. Our next hot take comes from Jesse. Elaine is boring AF, and I don't care at all about her storyline. We hear this a lot. Here we are just campaigning for (laughs) Elaine like, have you heard about Elaine? We can help save you. I hear this a lot. Yeah, we hear it a lot. And you're allowed to feel that. Honestly, we don't know a ton about Elaine. And people didn't like Nesta until they got Nesta's story. Some people still don't like Nesta. Some people might still not like Elaine when we get Elaine's story. I will say, I think because we see how much SJM is working to compare Elaine and Farah to one another, and we're seeing how much SJM is leaving some breadcrumbs for us for her development later on, I can see how you and I are inferring her personality, her mm-hmm, story. Mm-hmm. There's moments. To me, there's moments where she has some personality. I agree. But I can also understand why you and I are like... We're also digging. We're digging. Dig, 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 dig. The next one comes from Cottage Court. Nesta and Cassian have the better love story of Akatar. Yes. 100%. And that's a personal preference thing. Yeah. 
That's I, a slow burn. It's it's the slow burn. It's also I identify so much with Nesta mm-hmm. that I felt more emotional attachment to her story and to Cassian and yeah. his involvement in that story. I feel like they both had to work for it. They worked so hard. Like, Nesta has a lot of healing that she still needs to do, but she had to really work to open herself up to. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cassian helped her along the way, but, like, their whole love story, oh my god, like, in Wings and Ruin, when she yells for him. I know! And he drops everything to just go like running back to her Ugh. flying back to her and then his like guts are spilled out and he's like i will find you in the in next, the next- <gasps> there is so much I, I get chills when i think about them there's so much love there and there's yeah. so much resistance to their love too they are the soulmates to me yeah farah and reese super sweet story and i'm not saying they're not soulmates but nesta and cassian are the definition of like the fictional like story i mean i would like it for real but like you know like they are the definition of like characters who are soulmates yeah i agree farah and reese may be mates but cassian and nesta are soulmates i agree i feel like cassian and nesta would have figured out how to make it work if she had never been remade in a way that reese and farah never could oh like if she had been if the archeron sisters had never been made fae. So yeah, if she was human, I feel like Cassian either, yeah, they would have figured out that she's lives forever or he becomes mortal, something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like without a doubt. Yeah. I think what's also the biggest difference for me is that Farah and Reese are so desperate to die for one another while Cassian and Nesta want to live for one another. Yeah. Which is way harder. Yeah. Than dying for each other. Yeah. Farah and Reese want to die for each other so much so that they had to do like a death pack. It's true. Like, <laughs> okay, you di- you can't die. You die, I die. Okay. Okay, deal. <laughs> Cassian and Nestor are just like, what the, f- or you guys can just both live. Right. Like, that's an option too. Yeah. Live- yeah. And that's the harder option. Yeah. That's, that's the, the way- braver choice. Absolutely. I mean, I really don't want Nesta or Cassian to die, but if one of them did, the other one would keep living. Yeah, they would. Yeah. I'm really selling this. I think I'm fine with Farrah or Reese at this point. <laughs> well, at this point, it's both of them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Nick's like, what the hell, man? Why would you do that to your children? It's awful. Thank you for listening to this mini episode of Book Talk for Book Talk. We encourage you to rate and subscribe to our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We would love to hear your thoughts based on today's conversation. You can submit your comments to our form at booktalkforbooktalk.com or via our Camflare voicemail system. Please visit booktalkforbooktalk.com for more information. You can also follow us on TikTok or Instagram at the handle booktalkforbooktalk. Bye!